podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The tenth time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! And he puts it Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast where on tonight's show we're going to be previewing Sunday's game against High Flyers Aston Villa at the GTEC. If you haven't already listened to our previous episode this week where we dissect back-to-back defeats against Brighton and then Sheffield United, go do so now, although it is quite miserable. That episode is live across all of our digital platforms. Tonight though, I'm joined by Neil from the For the Love of Wrath podcast. Neil, thank you so much for taking the time, mate. Really appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me on. Delighted to 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 chat to anyone and everybody about Aston Villa because it's not often that we have uh seasons like we're having at the moment. So uh yeah, it's it's nice to chat Villa at the minute. Good stuff, mate. Now we'll, we'll get straight into it. I think before we start talking about sort of Villa more broadly this season, I do just want to touch on the last two games just because mm-hmm. they were so spectacular. I mean, first of all, that dominant win over Pep Guardiola's Man City, which not a lot of teams can say that they've done. And then a 1-0 win against Arsenal where you did ride your luck. And it's a bit of a football cliche, but saying the good teams win when they're not playing well. But it was one of those cases. I, you, did not, you didn't play badly. It was just that... Arsenal did have a few chances, but I mean, you've beaten last season's title challengers. How how do you how how are you feeling at, coming out of those two games? Oh, top of the world! Not, not going to lie, I, I I was debating as you were asking the question to try and play it down, but um, and it's it's not a, it's not a, a like it's just you guys will know it as football fans of teams that are not perennial winners or perennial um, massively high flyers. We've like Brent, Brentford have had some brilliant seasons. Villa have had a brilliant season last year, but we've never done something. Well, I won't say never, but in, in the last decade, we haven't done something like we did um, or 15 years. We haven't done something like we did last week in the space of four days to beat probably the two most complete teams in, in, in England. I know Liverpool fans are probably laughing at the screen now and I, I'm not disregarding Liverpool, but to have done that and then to have done it to Spurs maybe about two weeks prior to that, albeit a depleted Spurs team, it's it, it's interesting. These things don't happen to Aston Villa. Like it's, it's, it's fantastic to see, but our season has had a couple of blips. We started slowly, obviously, against uh, losing to Liverpool and losing to Newcastle. Uh, getting absolutely walloped out the gates by Newcastle on day one. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool really just finding a weakness. The only team that's really kind of massively found a weakness in our high line was Liverpool. And we've even tweaked it since then. And it's just, it's uh, it's amazing what a football manager can do for a club. And you guys will know because Th- Thomas Frank's just a genius as well. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's amazing what a football manager can do to lift the spirits of fans, players, boardrooms and 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 just you know kind of get you looking forward to saturdays you know it's and that that's what it's all about being a fan it's not it's not about like I, i'm i'm 38 years of age I'm, I'm not one of these guys that likes to gloat or anything like that and i certainly hope i'm not coming across that way i'm just happy to be a football fan that's <laughs> what i am and it just happens that aston villa are good at the moment and um you know that's what i like to see the swings and roundabouts of the game of football I mean, I know exactly what you mean. It's like you go into every game knowing that you're probably going to have a good chance of winning. We haven't really had that yet (laughs) since being in the Premier League. I remember in the Championship when we were kind of pushing Mm. for promotion over two seasons, it was like we we knew we were going to 
at least get a good performance every week and probably win when we have one of the best sides in the championship. You mentioned managers, and I do want to speak about Unai Emery kind of more broadly, but I, I was a really big fan, just particularly of Emery and Emi Martinez's post-match comments after the Arsenal game, saying that Villa are now in the title race. Because I'd, I'd normally expect a kind of typical response from a manager or a footballer, you know, just one game at a time. But they both came out and, and said, you know, we've just beaten Man City, we've just beaten Arsenal, we're in we're in the title race now. As a, as a Villa fan, are you starting to believe that you are in this title race? Because I know that, I don't know if there's a consensus of Villa fans, you know, we're not trying to get our hopes up. It must be kind of, you know, we don't want to get our hopes up, but we have just beaten the two best teams in the league. So yeah. what did you make of those comments? Yeah, look, it's the first time we've been in the title race really since uh, since when we started, what was it, third in the league, when the when the very first ball was kicked off in the Premier League uh, back in August, just just because of alphabetical order. Um and we haven't been able to we haven't been able to eclipse that since. But uh no, I suppose seriously seriously speaking, like you know, a lot is made of uh, has been made of our villa in the title race. And I think it's a dead talking point, um, which is probably surprising to 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 some of you. And the reason I think it's a dead talking point is um you know, people think that when when somebody like, like I I heard Michael Richards say that Villa aren't in the title race and um, that they're they're not good enough and their squad won't bring them that far. That's not what the title race is. The title race is at any given moment in time. And I think what it is that a lot of people say uh, the question really should be: Can Villa last the last the pace uh, this season? And Anyone who tells you they know whether they can or whether they can't is a liar. It's that simple. We all spoke about uh, Newcastle last year. Um, it's bloody difficult. It's really difficult to last the pace. Um, you need to have a level of... Uh, you need to have a level of of um, not even just a squad because we've seen some squads like Manchester United have a fantastic squad. They, uh, Nuka, or, uh, Chelsea have a fantastic squad. They can't push... They can't put massive runs of games together. It, but what it, what you need is you, you need to have a, a a coherency, I think, throughout the season. And you obviously need to have special players. You know, um, Villa don't have an Erling Haaland that's going to dig them out of out, out of games when uh, when when they're when they're you know they're they're comprehensively beaten. Yes, it happened against Arsenal, but we've lost to we we've we've lost to Nottingham Forest. You know, we've drawn at Bournemouth. We've drawn at Wolves, and that's no disrespect to any of those clubs. But we can get oftentimes we can get caught up in the yeah we beat Man City one nil, and that was one of the best games of football I've ever seen Aston Villa play. And yes, we beat Arsenal, and that wasn't one of the best games of football we've ever seen Arsenal or we've ever seen Villa play. But I think what Villa have going for them, and I suppose to really get on to answering your question, I think what Villa have going for them at the moment is massive momentum. Um, it's and I liked the way that they said we're in the title race because. More people are talking about our home form. And yes, that paints a, a, a target on your back. But also this mythology that grows with it, like Fortress Anfield, Fortress <laughs> Old Trafford, this kind of stuff. The teams used to love play, or used to love playing at Villa Park because they knew that they'd come in and they'd have a good chance. Or it might have been an FA Cup semi-final back in the day. That's why they loved playing at Villa Park. No, not so much. So the answer, the real answer to your question is. If we do this, if we do this podcast again uh, at the end of at the end of January, um, is that I think that's when we might play you guys again. I think it might be the end yeah, of January. So, yeah, um, yeah. If we do this podcast again and Villa are still third in the table, two points off top, I'll have a more conclusive answer for you. But as of now, <laughs> I'm just enjoying it, and and I don't know what a Villa and the title is, but what I do know is they've had two great great results back to back, coming off a draw against Bournemouth. 
Yeah, talk talk to me a little bit about this this home run that you won. Fifteen wins on the bounce now at home, which is just this incredible mm. form at Villa Park, and it's one of my favourite grounds to go to. I think a lot of fans would attest to the same kind of sentiment in terms of you know old school ground, four stands. Mm. It must be absolutely electric at the moment. And do, do you do you generally see Villa dropping points at home again this season? <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It really is because I mentioned we lost to Newcastle and we lost to Liverpool. They were both away. We still have those yeah. to come back to Villa Park. We still have Spurs to come back to Villa Park. So it's, it's not by any means, uh, like there's me even beginning to entertain not, not dropping any more points and not <laughs> losing at home this season. I was beginning to entertain it there for a minute. Um, whether we do or whether we don't, I suppose this, uh, this season, it's, it's all about mindset. And Unai Emery for me is that mindset manager. We, but like we heard Jurgen Klopp calling his team mentality monsters. That's what he felt he needed to say at the time, but you could understand what it was. You have to convince yourself that you're not going to lose or that if you go down or if you score. I, I think the bigger statistic actually for Aston Villa is that when we go ahead in games, we haven't dropped a point this season. And a lot of people, a lot of people talk about our, our our home form. When we go ahead in games, we don't lose points. We haven't dropped a single point this season. So you couple that with the home form, and you kind of have to believe that you know we could come out at the end of this season with what is it? If you've nineteen games at home uh, in the in, in in the Premier League, what's that? I, I'm trying to do maths in my head now. It's fifty seven points. <laughs> if Villa could come out of the end of this season with forty five points, something along those lines, from all your home games. Like like that has to have a Champions League written all over it, you know. And I think that's probably what the goal is. You limit your losses at home, and it's the, it's probably the goal for every every team. But you limit your losses at home, and you pick up the scraps when you're away from home. And we haven't been terrible away from home either. We just haven't been as good as we were we are at home. And 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 then you add it up at the end of the season, you see where you come. But but like your home farm is going to get you where you're going to get to, and and. and when you talk about the, the, the ground in Villa Park and you talk about it, like the little tweaks that Unai Emery has made, made little tweaks about, and this may sound very simple and very, 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 uh, probably doesn't really mean anything to 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 many people or, or any people. Um, but I think to the players it does. Like Villa are one of a few clubs in England that have won the Champions League or the Euro, Euro, European Cup. And they just have that in the in the tunnel before the players come out. Little things like that, like you're going, okay, let's not be scared of what happened, albeit f- touching 50 years ago now. Let's not be scared of what happened there. Let's put it out in front. Let our players go, we've done it before. Why can't you go and do it again? It's all these little kind of tributes and 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 kind of mental kind of ticks that, uh, that, that Unai Emery has brought in is what's helping our home form. That and the the fact that it's 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 a it's 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 a nice atmosphere of Villa Park at the moment. I think most teams will play well when their fans are bang up for it too. Yeah, hundred percent. I, f- I could attest to the same thing when <clears throat> when the G Tech's up for it, which I think it will be on Sunday. To be fair, but we'll, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of get up get onto that later. I do want to talk about sort of players specifically. Villa's back line. I know that a lot of the forwards might be grabbing the headlines this season, but the back line is is quite different to what it was last year. I mean, Paul Torres coming in. Diego Carlos, who I'm sure was injured most of last year, was he not? Yep. Got injured yeah. in the second game against Everton. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, when Tyron Mings got injured against, was it Newcastle at the start of the of the season, I think? Yep. First yeah. game of the season, done. He, he gets injured. Were you, were you fearing the worst in terms of that back line? Or? Um, I, I think it, uh, I was... Yeah, so I was, is the, is, is the short answer. Um, and the reason I was, was we had one recognised left back 
Alex Alex Moreno was injured, who was a, just like a transformational player for us last season. The way, like I, I think he plays this weekend um, I, I, against Brentford. Well, I, I think he has to play because Luca Dean is out; he's he's suspended. But we only had one right back at the club. We let Ashley Young go. One right back at the club was Matty Matty Cash, and then Tyrone Mings goes down. And then you're going, oof, you have to throw Pau Torres in there, who isn't used to the league, uh, and Ezri Kanza. And then we've got a guy coming back from doing his Achilles um, on the bench. And, and like you're looking around and you're going, oh, I'm not confident in... Like we, have, we have a back four and that's it. We don't have anything else. And they've just grown into a, such a solid unit. you know. Uh, losing Tyrone Mings, a lot of other fans of, of other clubs um, will ridicule him because he went through a period of his career where he he would make a mistake. Um but he was he was a real leader within the within the group. He's he's a very thoughtful person as in, you know, he's a very grounded person. He's a very he's, he's an emotional person. He's he's in his own head. And I think this this team itself as well are very together from that point of view. They've they've no problem uh, you, you can see it they've no problem they don't take themselves too, too seriously. Um and they, they they rally around each other, and I think a lot of that's been brought by the defense, um, by the Tyrone Mings of this world, or even by the Emmy Martin of this world. So when he went out, he was a big, big hole to fill. Ezri Kanza has just Ezri Kanza has grown a foot and a half this season in just <laughs> stature. Like he's a proud man at this moment in time because he's just excellent. Whether he's playing right back, whether he's playing centre half, where I feel he's he's probably twice the player at centre half as he is at right back, but he's do he's out at right back at the moment because that's where Emery sees meets him um from, from a, a, a I suppose a tactical setup. He's just been amazing. He really has. And then Pau Torres, Pau Torres passes like Zidane and he plays centre half. You know, like what's what's not to like about that? So it's uh it's it, for for me, I think it's been one of the big, big plus points. We've shipped goals, yeah, but I think when you look at it, it's a good microchasm of our season so far because um uh, you know the, the what we lost or what we haven't had in that in, in, in defense has become a defining part of this team. And uh, yes, we brought in Clement Longley, and we still have uh, Callum Chambers, and now Maddie Cash is back, is uh, is back fit, and, and Alex Moreno is back fit. There, there's a bit more um, of a rotational aspect to it, but it's been the the, the growth of the defence, the, the 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 gelling together of that defence um, in such difficult circumstances that has really made a big difference. I think. Yeah, we, we know Ezri Konza quite well. He used to play for Brentford, and yeah. <clears throat> the word the the word Rolls Royce springs to mind whenever I think of Ezri yeah. Konza. He, sh- he should definitely be yeah. in for a shout for for England. I know he has been called up recently. I want to say he was yep. called up in called the last, up for squad. last yeah. squad. Yeah, yeah, yep. called up for the last squad. I hope he gets on the on the plane to the Euros next year. I do want to talk about uh, John McGinn because yeah. I feel like he might right. be one that goes under the radar a little bit <laughs> just because of the things I mentioned just before about how sort of the forwards in terms of Watkins and Bailey's having a really good season as well. But John McGinn, is it fair to say he's just undergone a transformation under Emery or has he always been this good? Um, when we were in the championship, John McG- I remember I remember when we got promoted from the championship and I remember, I think it was, pro- yeah, it was. It was the first game of the season and we played Spurs. McGinn was just so good in the championship. And, and and then we played Spurs and he just ran the show. And I was like, guys, this guy is just brilliant. And even throughout that whole that whole first season under Dean Smith in the in the Premier League, he was just rock solid. He was excellent. Um second season he was excellent. And then Mr. Gerrard comes in and just completely kind of almost castrated any kind of creative ability or any uh, like basically he just he just 
stopped him from playing for whatever reason. And John McGinn to this day kind of talks about, well, uh, he, he stopped me playing. He also took the armband off Tyrone Mings and gave it to me. And I wasn't quite comfortable with that because Tyrone was still the leader within the group and stuff. And it just lots of things didn't sit with him. And then Jared gets the boot and Emery comes in and says, I love this guy. He's a fantastic, he's a fantastic player, but I need him to start scoring goals. And McGinn is just once again, gone with Unai Emery. He's listened to him. He's worked with him. He's treated him as a mentor. And John McGinn has gone on from strength to strength. And I talked, I talked about the losing of the captains here, the losing of the, the, the leadership aspect of uh, Tyrone Mings and Ezra Kanza stepping into that. John McGinn has stepped into that in his own way as well. John McGinn certainly doesn't take himself too seriously. He's, he's, he's a complete another messer, but you know, on the field, at this moment in time, you will do. You will find very few players in the Premier League that will outwork John McGinn. Like he's a mutant. The amount, the amount of running he does is just. It's yeah. it, like uh, you get tired looking at him. And and every good team needs that. They need yeah. that workhorse player. And um, I've been really impressed with him. And it, a lot of it is to, is to do with Unai Emery. Unai Emery saw a role for him within this team, whether it be even a right winger at times he plays him, or whether he plays him directly in behind the striker, or whether he's played him as a six, or whether he's played him as a left winger. He's just kind of used him and said, okay, you're, you need need to do this here. And John McGinn goes, yes, sir, and goes out and does it. you know, And and that's fantastic to see. I I, I love John McGinn just for the type of person he is. He's not a nasty person. He's not. He doesn't take himself too serious. He's just, a, like I said at the start, he's just a lad that loves football and loves playing football. And he's, um, yeah, he's funny as well. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's always nice to talk about John McGinn, uh, the person and the footballer as well, because, uh, you know, it's very, it's seldom enough you get to be able to marry the two together, you know. Yeah, I think against Arsenal, he was incredible. One of the best players mm. on the pitch. And it is, you're absolutely right. Every, term, every team does need a player like that who's dependable every game and who you know will give 100% for the shirt when they play. Uh, I do want to talk about Ollie Watkins. Obviously, we know Ollie very, very well. Mm. Really sad to see him go at the end of the championship season where we lost in the playoff final. But it was time, I think, for him to kind of go on and, and do something in the Premier League with it with a team like Villa. And he's kind of, that's... He, he's just gone from strength to strength, especially under Emery. I, and he's completely kind of transformed. I remember watching a segment on um, Super Sunday and they had Dean Smith as one of the pundits. And he mm. was kind of talking through how they've, how he's changed as a striker since Emery's come in. I want to, I want to, I want to <laughs> ask you a question that I know I'm going to clip up and use for, for Instagram tomorrow. Uh, Watkins or Ivan Tony? Brentford fans are going to like this question. Um. <clears throat> Considering he can play on Saturday, uh, he can play at the weekend. It's got to be Watkins, isn't it? I've got his, I've got his shirt here behind me as well. So it's, uh, it's, it, I don't have an Ivan Tony shirt. So, um, and plus Watkins has scored more for England. So that's yeah, what I'm going guess, on. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, what I'm going on. on. But I, I like put, put put the two of them together, and and, and I think they, they, I think both of them could play together in the same team. Um, I think they're different players, though. I think they're different players. Yeah, like massively, Watkins massively. isn't, Watkins isn't a natural. F- I'm reluctant to say he's the natural finisher because, by God, has he worked on his finishing? Like, like two seasons ago, we were looking at him, going, "We know he can be so good, but if he's one on one with the goalkeeper and he's any time to think about it, forget it. <laughs> you might as well. Everybody just run back to the halfway line because it's go, it's it's going to be a kick out. You know, it's not going to go in the back of the net. And then once again, when Unai Emery came in, he goes in this massive long scoring run again. Like you can tie the rise of individual players here. And thus the rise of the team to Unai Emery, and um, because it's what what he's done, 
And and and, and Ali Watkins, I think, is another one of those players because now he's a lot more dangerous. Now he will, you know, like he he'll score the dirty goals. Or he'll, that header he scored against Bournemouth in the last I minute. Just, I was just going to say that header against Bournemouth was one of my one of my favorites of his this season. It was incredible. Just, like like <laughs> and and it was so funny and and and, and I am a small bit like I I'm the conductor of the Ali Watkins fan bus at Aston Villa. I've never I, I know I said there that sometimes you'd see him go through on goalkeepers. I've never been the person to denigrate him. I've always been look Watkins is a top scorer. He is going to come good. He's played for England. It's not a case that he's a bad player or anything. I was never on never on that bus. But even when he scored that goal, that header, I was like, "Ooh, didn't think he had that in the locker." But thank, you know, he, he's just he's just shown that he has. And and I'm very very conscious as well, Michael. That I'm speaking so glowingly positive about 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 Aston Villa and these players. And we might go out and get done four 0 at the weekend, and that's absolutely fine. I'll bring it back to the very start. Sometimes you just got to be happy. And if you're like, and and it's not gloating, it's not it's not anything like that. But I'm fully aware that Aston Villa can do an Aston Villa and ship four and look absolutely <laughs> turgid at the weekend but you know um i'm, I'm only answering the questions i've been asked <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get on to the weekend and, and uh, i'm very confident that we're not going to score four against you I, I was actually i went to i went to Villa away last year and managed to get caught in traffic on the m1 up so i was sat, sat in traffic for two hours missed kickoff by half an hour and you were already three nil up at that point so i may as well yeah. just fucking turned around and gone home but aaron thanks <laughs> It was a very miserable day. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, Emery, you've mentioned him quite a lot because I feel like he is one of, in my opinion, the most criminally underrated managers in, in world football. He's won four Europa Leagues, multiple honours in France. The only club where it didn't work out for him was Arsenal. And even there, he managed to finish fifth and get to a European final. But I just want to know specifically, in terms of the differences between Gerard and Emery, and there, there are loads, but... Just how has he managed to get the, relatively speaking, this the same group of players that Gerard had, get them playing well and get them to third in the league and beating teams like Man City and Arsenal? Just how has he done this? Um, I think it's I think the secret sauce is just honesty and hard work, uh, and I genuinely think that because the man is a is a footballing like like he's he's a footballing freak so much so that Aston Villa would play an away game and then he'll on his instagram um or on the Aston Villa instagram or whatever someone would catch him maybe on the bus on his phone watching the game back you know <laughs> on the bus home from that game little things like that and i think i think in any in any walk of life if if people you're if if, if you're looking to be in a, in a management position and 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 if if people that you're managing can see you working hard. They're, they're, they're going to work hard for you. If people see you with your feet up, they're going to have apathy for you. If people, if people see you uh, expecting too much for them, but not giving them the direction that they need to get to where, where they need to go. And I think, I think Steven Gerrard probably um, came, fell foul of the fact that probably what, what, what was termed before the Glenn Hoddleization of football manager, where he couldn't understand why certain players couldn't do what he could do. Um, now I'm open to correction in that I don't know I've no, I've nothing to to I've, I've no factual basis it's just an opinion that that I have with regards to Gerard but I think with Unai Emery it's not a case of of that I think it's a case of let's try this and see does it work okay that didn't work well what I've seen you do here is I need you to tweak this and do this so I think he's for for all he's maligned for how he speaks English and stuff like that and was ridiculed previously 
I think it's how he communicates the game of football. I think it's how he explains the game of football. We called him the professor when he first came in because that's what we were told to expect. We were told to expect hour-long um our long uh, video analysis we were told to expect like in-depth detailed uh, opponent analysis uh, and so on and, and that's what the players got and they said it was a bit of a culture shock for them you know at the at, at the start when he first came in and now he's colloquially known as mr and i think that shows the respect the players have he's like he's mr emery he's uh, they, they, they respect him enough to you know to, to, to almost teach him like a teacher or treat him like a teacher. Uh, that, that will, it, okay, you've done amazing things for us so far. We will continue to listen to you because we can, we, we buy into what you're get what, what you're, what you're doing for the club. And, and I think that's what the biggest change is. I think he just kind of, and it's not that Jared didn't treat them like humans, but I think he just treated them like they, that he's like, I can be great for you in your career and we can be great for this club together and your career could be at this club. But if I'm not able to give you what you need at this club, I will make you good enough so you'll be able to go on somewhere else that can get you down with that. And I think that honesty in football, that nothing lasts forever, but while we're here together, let's work together. I think that's really, really important. And I think Emery has just gotten that buy-in from absolutely everyone. Even, even Leon Bailey, who I will say, I'm the conductor of this man's bus. There was times <laughs> when I was kind of going, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think if we could get 12 million for Bailey, let's, let, let's get it and let's, let's just cut our losses on him. Even he's kicking, uh, you know, he's, he's he's absolutely kicked on this season as well. So it goes to the measure of the man management that he can do and, and the philosophy that he has when, when dealing with the group and I suppose explaining what he wants from the group as well. I was listening to a athletic podcast. I don't know if you've listened to it. They did a, mm. they did a whole one on Villa the other day, uh, which I would thoroughly recommend any Brentford fan yeah. listening to go and check out before the game on Sunday because they kind of go into detail on what's changed and the kind of manager that Emery is. In terms of what you just mentioned, the hours that he puts on the training ground, the video analysis, all of that. He's a proper student of the game, to use mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> a football cliche. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Brentford, just something I ask all of my guests when, when I do these kinds of videos. Um, what, what have you made of Brentford so far this season, so far in the Premier League? And then we'll, we'll talk about the game a little bit more just to finish off. One of my favourite players in the whole entire world at the moment now plays for Brentford. And I wonder, can you guess who it is? And he mightn't even be your favorite player. He won't be your, your favorite Brentford player. I'll Matty, just tell you, Matty Jensen. No, 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 no. I thought my accent might give it away. I just think Nathan Collins. I, I followed Nathan Collins' career since he was like 15 years of age here in Ireland, and then when he went uh, across the water, and he first caught my eye uh, playing for an Irish underage team, and I was like holy Christ, this guy's good. Now, he comes from great stock. Like, all his family were footballers and his father and his uncle were footballers as well um, to a professional level. But he may not have had the greatest stats for you guys and you guys may, may, may differ, but I, ju- I just, I I think he's great. Like, if, if I could have one player from your team that wasn't named Ivan Tony, um, I think I'd take Nathan Collins um, just because I, 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 I love him. And there's, there's going to be Villa fans that are going, oh, Neil, shut up about Collins. You're talking about him for the last three or four years and I'm there. Yeah. I'm here to stay. I'm always going to talk about Nathan Collins. I've talked about him back in, the, back in his Stoke days, and I'm going to continue to talk about him. But what, what I do like about Brentford is, um, and, and I think one of the biggest things uh, about Brentford is, um, you know, the, the, it's, a lot is made about the club from top to bottom and how it's run and, and, and the, I suppose the, the intelligent nature and how they approach the game of football, whether it be Thomas Frank um, and he's like another a studious uh, football manager. You know, he is a football coach. 
is what it is. He will te- he will make you better. He will teach you how to play the game of football the way you need to play it within his team. He won't expect you to understand it without teaching you. Same as Unai Emery. I think there's there's, there's a lot of respect there. But the club and in in their the recru- their recruitment, Brentford were Brighton before Brighton were Brighton. You know, in their in their recruitment, and that's that's the reality of it. That really is the likes of getting the likes of Aaron Hickey in there, twenty one years of age, getting like Brian Bremo. Brian Bremo must be one of the best best club signings ever. You know, yeah. um, you guys signed him at eighteen. He was a French under twenty one international yeah, or something like that. From, I think uh, League de League. De, yeah, one of them, Troy yeah. uh, for peanuts at the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vitaly Janlet as well came in four years ago, I think it was, when he was 21, yeah. tw- under tw- German under 20, 21 international. Like, the, the scouting network that's there, and that's that that's not, I haven't even touched any of the, the Danish players that were just plucked from relative obscurity <laughs> and have come in and just taken the league by storm. But the 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 way that they've been able to marry that with the old guard as well, the guys who've come up through the leagues, the guys who've been... Yeah. But I suppose guys that have been there, thereabouts, like Ethan Pinnock is a fantastic centre half. Like in that, in that, but he's a fantastic centre half in Thomas Frank's system. I don't think he, well, I can't say whether he can or not, but I'd like to see him try and play in Una Emery's side, but he would be a lot better in Thomas Frank's side because that's where he, like, he's found his niche in there and he's just a really, really great ball player. Like he just mm-hmm. is. Um, and, 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 you know, the way, the way that the, the team has been, has been constructed. It's not about bringing in a huge name. It's bringing in the right player for the right job, for the right time, for this manager. And that, like, I'll applaud that all day long because that's proper football. Um, It's very easy to say that, you know, Man City, and you can applaud them off the field and for all their their millions and billions that they they have spent and that they will continue to spend, they parachuted a manager in there who everybody knew was a good manager. They brought in players who the majority of people knew were good players. And they kind of went, if he can't succeed, well, then we'll just buy someone else in again. Brentford didn't have that luxury. Aston Villa, to a great degree, haven't had that luxury. And Brighton, likes of Brighton, haven't had that luxury. But the punching above the weight, relatively speaking, from a financial point of view, it's just it's it's what every football fan should should admire. It's what it, what they should do, and I hope that doesn't sound patronising because I'm talking about Aston Villa this way as well. But Brighton, Brentford have been absolutely fantastic with that, and and the fact that they've you know their squad remains stable year in year out to 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 a decent degree is just it's 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 a testament to how well the club has run. I think that's the best answer I've got when I've asked the guest that same question so far. So thank you. And I'm glad you mentioned Nathan Collins as well, because he is injured at the moment. So I don't think he'll feature on mm. Sunday, but he has had a great start. Like he, a little bit at the start, it was a little bit like Marmite. He made a couple of mistakes here and there. But then as he showed up in the last sort of five or six games that he played before he got injured, he was he was looking very, very good, very assured. And he can pick a pass as well, which I did not see. Yeah. That I didn't see. I didn't see that in his game. So I'm glad. Have, have you ever seen his goal for Ireland where he picks the ball up in his own half and just decides? I'm going. I haven't. But you have to. Oh. You have to send that to me afterwards. <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. We'll get. We'll get on to uh, Sunday then. In terms of how you think it's going to go, I'll give you the lowdown on Brentford. We are completely fucked by injuries at the moment. We've got nine <laughs> players out. Seven of them would be in contention to start. Uh, that includes injuries, and obviously Ivan Tony suspended. 
Having said that, we we did we recorded our podcast yesterday, and it would be very Brentford to somehow pinch a win on Sunday. Uh, it's either that it's either a one nil win where we get like a ninety fifth minute winner, and you've been all over us the whole game, or you're going to batter us five nil. But how how do you see it going on Sunday? How how are the two styles going to match up? Any key battles we should be looking out for? Um, Brandon Boomer's out, isn't he? Brandon Boomer's out. <clears throat> yeah. That, that was me going, yes, but uh, that was trying to hide it there because he's, fan, he's just a fantastic player. And when you look at, you're, you're right, when you look at the players that are out uh, for you guys, it's it, it's a big struggle. Like, um, And as you say, Villa will Villa, could Villa very easily at the weekend. Um, I think the biggest matchups are going to be uh, between, I suppose, like Ben Mee just seems to have Aston Villa's number. <laughs> it's just a thing. No, we dislike him for a tackle he had uh, against Wesley's all those years ago. And when I say dislike him, I'm not talking about like no one wishes ill in him or anything like that. We're just like, oh, Ben, me with that horrible tackle or whatever. But he just seems to have our numbers sometimes. Um, so whenever I see him in there, I've got this irrational fear about, uh, uh, about him. But I think very much so that, um, that, that like Villa's high line is, is, is being much spoken about. And mm-hmm. Thomas Frank will come and go, can Neil po- can Neil Mope get in behind that high line? Neil Mope has had some great success against Aston Villa. Another player that we would grit our teeth at in the championship because he'd always just score against us uh, when Dean Smith was your manager as well. Um, you know, and and uh, Visa as well is 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 well able to run those channels too. So I think there's I think there is joy to be got there. Villa give up chances from that point of view, and we. We, I was just about to say we rarely keep keep two sh- clean sheets, but we've just kept two against the two best teams in England, and that that was a surprise for us. That was a huge surprise. Like if you were to say, "When are we going to keep a clean sheet anytime soon?" I'd go maybe Sheffield United just before Christmas, you know. But we ended up keeping two before uh, uh, t- 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 in our last two games. So I think there'll be goals at the weekend. Um, I think midfield is going to be incredibly difficult for both teams. Um, I think if if Brentford kind of go for that kind of four central midfielders in midfield per se with the likes of Norgard, uh, Janlis, um, Anyeka, and and who was the other person who was over in that left? Uh, was it Baptiste? Ba- I think Baptiste. 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 Moment, but I think uh, Damsgaard yeah. might come in. But to be honest, I don't yeah. know how we're going to set up. I'm 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 interested to see how it's going to go because you guys play in a four, but Thomas Frank tends to switch to a five when we play teams. Who uh, I was going to ask top, that in the top six or sort of three at the back and then five in midfield. Yeah, yeah usually we tend to do that. Yeah, and that'll be interesting. Like the one great thing about Villa at the moment, or the one different thing that Unai Emery has brought is brought in is we used to, we used to, funny enough, we used to struggle against four in midfield. We used to love playing against teams. That, excuse me, with three at the back. I don't know what it was. It was just, uh, there was a time where I think we played four games in a row against teams with three at the back. Uh, and I think Dean Smith was the manager. And, and like, we just, we looked like 70s Brazil. You know, we, it was just, <laughs> and then next thing, teams just started playing four at the back and we couldn't do anything again. Um, but I think what Emery has done is, uh, Emery's come in and, and, and he's become very kind of measured. Villa will pass the ball about. Villa will come to to the G-Tech at the weekend and they will look to try and dominate possession. Now, away from home, we haven't really done that an awful lot, but we'll give it a go. And um, they'll, they'll, they'll be patient in their build-up. And, and I think from that point of view, I think that, you know if Brentford are playing that four, four-man midfield with like four central midfielders in there, I think that could cause Villa a bit of difficulty because it could counteract Villa's midfield because 
Villa will likely the weekend play with probably four midfielders in there as well, four central midfielders. You'll have Ramsey probably one side. You'll have, um, oh, oh, well, I'm just thinking now because Diego Carlos is out injured. But yeah, I think you'll still have Ramsey. You'll have Kamara. You'll have um, Yuri Tielemans maybe. And you'll have McGinn in there in midfield and some sort of uh, conglomeration in there. I think maybe they might cancel each other out when we don't have Douglas Louise because D- Douglas Louise has been our best player this season. Mm-hmm. His, his passing has just been out of this world. Um, and we're going to really miss him at the weekend. I know you said you've got, you're have got you down nine players, but we'll be down Douglas Louise. We'll be down Luca Dean, which we will have Alex Moreno to come in for, but, but we'll miss Douglas Louise. And mm-hmm. I think that midfield battle could see us come stuck at the weekend because uh, looking, at, looking at Brentford's midfield four, Every single one of those can put their foot in the ball. Every single one of those can put their foot through a player. And every single one of those can pass the ball too, you know. So it's, uh, they're, they're very much all round, four all round midfielders, you know. So it's, uh, it's going to be, that's where I think the game will be won and lost. As a cliche <laughs> for you. As a cliche. The, the way you've sold it, I'm actually, I've actually got a bit of confidence now. Honestly, I was doing the well, preview yesterday and it was pretty bleak. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. Neil, I think that'd be a good place to wrap, mate. The Eden Road podcast. We'll be back next week to obviously go over the Villa result and preview the next game, which I believe is Wolves at home a day after Boxing Day because the Man City game got cancelled. But that's just off the top of my head. So so I'll have a look. But we'll be back definitely for the Villa review. Remember, just before we go, guys, give us a subscription on our Spotify and YouTube channels. Leave a rating and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Remember to drop the comments. Remember from the last video, drop all the comments. What do you think of the test that we've got against Villa on Sunday? And we'll do our best to reply to all the comments on YouTube. Neil, mate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. And yeah, good luck on Sunday. Pleasure's been all mine, Mike. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, may the best team win. Podcast Network.